Greetings, Earth people. It's me again, IC Robots, from the Toys R Us Report podcast. Available exclusively at thegreatestpodcastintheworld.com. And you are listening to the SNES Podcast with my boy Greg and his revolving cadre of co-hosts. All right, Greg, your time is now. Let's do this like Brutus. Hit it. Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 15. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, one of the classic uh, classic arcade games that were ported to Super NES, uh, Mr. Do. Uh, and here, like here with me on the podcast to talk about to talk about this game, one of his all-time favorites. Uh, I'm very pleased again to be joined by the great, the classic, the the super busy uh, Willie. How do you do, Mr. Do? Uh, best known for his work on the Clicker Vision podcast and numerous other podcasts uh, to mention at this point. Uh, I can't even keep track of all the podcasts, the podcasts that you're doing these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Willie, it's great to have you on the podcast again. I appreciate it very much. No problem. Um, so, uh, we already talked like, in the past about your love of the system uh, uh, and some of your favorite games with it, the fun that stuff. Um, uh, what's your history with Mr. Do? Is this just like is this a game that you played as a kid back in the arcade, or did you pick it up later on in life, or how did you like come into this? Oh uh, well, the arcade I used to go to uh, where I grew up. The arcade owner there was really good about getting the newest games that just came out for people to play, and uh, luckily you got a hold of a Mr. Do arcade machine, hmm. and uh, it really caught my attention because mainly I like I like Dig Dug. You know, digging around underneath the ground and stuff, but uh, this one had a little bit more gameplay to it by having a ball you can throw, and has had some strategy to it, like you can spell out extra to get an extra life, and all kinds of cool stuff in this game. So it had more to it than what Dig Dug had, 
that was my main attraction to the game. Okay, um, and uh, so generally speaking, like how good were you like of the game? Uh, like how many boards were you able to were you able to usually clear, or things like high score, or anything like that? Well, lately I I can't I can really get past board ten. Mm. Hey, <laughs> that... then, I could play it for quite a while. Hey, board ten's pretty. Board ten's still pretty good. Uh, you know, by that point, by that point, those monsters are like really like booking like around your butt all the time. So oh, they're flying all over the place. <laughs> um, so were you ever lucky enough to be able to get the like extra rare diamonds when you played it like in the arcade? Yes, I've had that happen a couple times. I played the arcade version. You drop an apple, and every once in a while, you'll see a diamond appear. Usually, what happens to me is when I do see the diamond. I'm at the other end of the screen. I <laughs> only got so much time to get over to collect it. Uh, yeah, I've read online that there is a way to be able to guarantee to get a diamond like every single game, but uh, um, but otherwise speaking, it's kind of like you know very very random uh, like to be able to get one. So uh, yeah. but um, yeah um, yeah I never saw this game uh, like as a kid uh, back in the arcades. But then of course then of course I didn't spend too much time as a um, as a kid in the classic arcades, because the classic arcades, you know, because I was like very, very young when the Flames game came out, I was only six. So uh, most of my arcade playing time was toward the late '80s and early '90s, uh, like when like there was some uh, there, there was when there were some classic games around, but most of the games in there were shooters or fighters or um, like Neo Geo games or things like that. So um, uh, according to research, I, the research I found online, uh, the game sold fairly well. It sold about thirty thousand copies, uh, which, uh, which is pretty good for a small company because this game was published by Universal, which is not, uh, which isn't a bit, uh, uh, like which is not a big name. Uh, Mr. Do is probably the most successful game that they had. So um, uh, yeah, I just never saw the game as a kid. Um, I finally played the game several years ago uh, via emulation for systems like the ColecoVision and Toys Hundred, and of course, you know, and of course, Super NES. Um, did you have the ColecoVision version uh, back in the day? I didn't have a ColecoVision when it came out. I didn't get a ColecoVision until uh, oh, maybe a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting about that. There's such gun hole yeah. in the system. On the system these days, I. T- um, I tend to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> the only consoles I had before. Uh, the great crash was I had, of course, an Atari 2600, an Atari 800, and I had a uh, uh, what a, that uh, that triangle looking thing made by Coleco. Oh, the Telstar. Telstar arcade that had yeah. the steering wheel, the gun. Yes. And the, yeah, that's those. That that was pretty much it. Uh, after that, you know, after the crash, the next system I bought was a Nintendo. Mm. So what was the first home version of the game that you had? Oh, uh, the first home version probably was on my Atari 8-bit. Mm. And Mr. D was on a disc. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that seems like a pretty good port of the game. Uh, the ColecoVision version, I thought, was a very, very good port. Uh, oh, yeah. It, like, you know, like, like again, ColecoVision was master of so many of arcade games that came out. But, um... But yeah, I haven't played a bunch of them real briefly in preparation for preparation for the podcast. I um, I happen to personally think the Super NES version is like the best uh, for reasons we'll talk about. For reasons we'll talk about. For reasons we'll talk about. Uh, when we get like going in the game. Um, was this a game you saw in the store back then that you picked up in your system, or did you pick this up like more recently? 
uh, what the one on my eight bit? Uh, no, sorry, the Super NES version. Sorry. Oh, Super NES. No, I picked it up at a, at the store when it came out. Okay. Yeah, this was kind of a late release. I was a bit surprised to read it. Uh, this game didn't come out until December of 1995. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's a pretty late release, like for an arcade port. I mean, the Super NES. The Super NES had a great, you know, Super NES had a number like a great arcade port to it, I thought, because uh, it was really during the 60-bit time I thought that the hardware finally got powerful enough that you were actually uh, that the that the systems were actually able to run the real and the real emulated arcade codes instead of having to have the game re reprogrammed to report it uh, to take advantage of the limitations of the system. Um, you still had some problems. Uh, there's still some slowdown. There's still some slowdown like the arcade ports. Um, I don't think arcade emulation really got perfect for the consoles until like the PlayStation era. But uh, Super NES had a number of great, to a great like arcade ports to it. Uh, besides this game, I, I, to, to, besides this game, I, I, I thought the I thought the collections were all very well done. The Atari collection, the Midway collection, oh, yeah. uh, Namco yeah. collection. Uh, Frogger was pretty good. Um, yeah, it was. was. Space Invaders, I really love the option how you can have both play like the original and also the enhanced game mode. Uh, like I'm always a sucker for that. Give me a game that has you <laughs> Yeah, give me a game that you play like both ways uh, like I'm sewed. So because you have the original yeah. game, plus you also have the enhanced version, the enhanced version to mess around with. So um, just curious real quick before we get into Mr. Do, uh, uh, do you have any other really favorite arcade ports for the Super NES? Uh, like a game that you would prefer to play on the Super NES as opposed to like firing up a MAME? Uh Frogger. Yeah, Frogger's very, very good. That's a great port. I can't think of anything else right offhand right now. <laughs> yeah, I know, putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, but, um, great. Uh, so, Universal was... Um, uh, Universal was still in business at this point. Technically, they are still in business like these days. Uh, like they were kind of bought out and remerged and kind of went through the Atari treatment uh, like over the years. But uh, uh, this game was they uh, developed by Imager, which was a very active uh, programming programming company for consoles and computers uh, back back during back during time period, and it was published by Blacks. It was published for the system by published for the system by Black Pearl Software, which I found out was actually a subsidiary of THQ. So. Um, this is before THQ was putting their name on games, I suppose. But they, um, um, and they, um, so for those of you out there who have not played Mr. Do, uh, um, uh, uh, like in the arcade, because like I said, like, you know, I missed it. I know some of my friends missed it. I'm not really sure how much coverage that the game got. Um, do you mind maybe giving us a quick summary of the game, Willie, for those, like those of us out there, like, have not played it? Oh, sure. Hmm. I'm going to check it. <laughs> what I, took speaking? A drink. I took a drink right <laughs> when you talked to me oh sorry about that <laughs> oh sorry anyway yeah the main object of Mr. Do is you're a clown you're trapped underground and you try to collect all these cherries on the screen well while you're trying to collect the cherries you have these enemy monsters that run around the screen also that try to capture you now you have a magical ball that you can throw to destroy a monster to keep him away from you but every time you use the ball and throw it it takes longer and longer for it to regenerate to come back to you so you got to be you got to be strategic on when you're going to throw the ball as you're collecting the cherries every once in a while you'll see this monster at the top of the screen that kind of bounces back and forth in this extra box this monster will pop out he's called the alpha monster if i remember right mm -hmm. if you destroy him you'll get that letter that spells out extra, one of the letters that he's carrying around with him. 
And if you spell out the complete word extra, you get an extra life. But when you do that, uh, oh man, my brain just went. <laughs> anyway, as you're, as you're playing the game and you get to the point where all the monsters are out of the center of the screen, you'll see like a little treat appear, like maybe a, a piece of pie or an ice cream cone or something like that. That if you run over that with Mr. Do, the alpha monster will come out yet again. And you want to try to time it where he's on a letter you don't have. He'll come out right around the maze again, but he has three escorts that run around as well that you have to avoid. And they can't eat apples. If you try to drop an apple on them, they'll, they'll catch it and they'll eat it. So you got to be kind of strategic in how you get yourself worked around the screen to throw your magic ball to hit the alpha monster from behind or something when his escorts are away from him. That, that's pretty much the gameplay in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, you can also uh, push the apple around like in tunnels to put them into like strategic choke points, uh, like every oh, now yeah. and then, like to yep. block enemies, uh, which is useful. Which 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 is useful toward the mid part of the game, but later on, but later on in the game, there's too many enemies just going too fast. Too too, too, too fast for you to do that. But they, um, yeah, and the. Um, uh, and you also notice at the top of the screen that there's a TV set icon that will uh, that will bounce around from letter to letter to letter. And you look at that real quick, and that lets you know what letter will come out in the monster if you um, uh, so you try to time it. Uh, uh, like for example, if you need like the E, you can wait until the TV icon appears over the E, and this time I grab that uh, grab that uh, bonus item to, you know, to cause a, to, to cause a, to, to cause a letter monster to come out. But um, so it's, it's, like, it's definitely like a lot of strategy like evolved like in this game as well. So um... we like like one of the uh, strategies I use, for example, on board four, the monsters can only come out one direction from their their starting position in the center of the screen. And there's an apple right off to the right hand side. I'll run up there and push that apple up underneath them so they can't get out and I start running around the screen as fast as I can collecting cherries to set myself up to bring out the uh, extra monster. Right. Yep. Yeah, and there's definitely a great, like you know, like risk versus reward uh, thing going on in this game as well. Like every great classic arcade game should have, because it's like you know, do you want to like take the risk of trying to get the letter monster or rack up the points, or do you want to just go for the cherry as fast as possible and clear it? So yeah. uh, there's definitely like you know, kind of sense like a heightened danger, especially in the higher levels when the monsters get very nasty. Uh, just oh yeah. Kind of, but uh, uh, the lower levels. Like my old levels, after I get the letter monster, I'll click up the cherries, but one, if I'm gonna just like sit there in the tunnel, like and you like use the ball to pick off a few, and then finally when I get like you know close to being killed, I'll grab that last cherry to clear it, uh, rack up those points. So um, um, yeah, so uh, um, uh, this is definitely a game that will remind you a lot of Dick Dug. Uh, I believe the two games came out right about the same time, so I think this is just a case of two companies working similar ideas without with. Uh, without without one company knowing knowing what the other was doing, which was kind of common yeah. back in these days. But they, um, yeah, uh, this game definitely has a lot of things going for it that Mr. Doug, uh, um, uh, sorry, Mr. Doug, you'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the hybrid bastard child of my thing. Did too, and Mr. Doug. <laughs> um, there's definitely a lot of things this game has going for it uh, that Dig Doug doesn't have. Uh, I still personally prefer spoiler. Uh, like you know I. I mean, I still personally prefer Dig Dug to play, but this game definitely is a lot of fun also in its own right. Because, like, you know, it's it definitely it's faster paced than Dig Dug is, I think, uh, especially at the higher levels. Um, there's there's, uh, there's definitely 
There's much more importance placed upon clearing the board by grabbing the cherries as opposed to blowing all the monsters up, which you have to do uh, to clear a level like in Dig Dug. Oh, so, yeah. Um, um, yeah, just very cute and cartoony. Um, the Japanese, man, with, like, weird games and game themes. I mean, like, you know... We had some we had some, we had some strange games back in the Atari Activision days from the like the pot smoking that that, that those developers were doing, but I don't know what the Japanese were on to come up with this game. I mean, like you know, clown digging around uh, digging around an underground maze with one hand and firing a ball with the other to destroy destroy these weird these weird uh, dinosaur monsters. It's like what the heck, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, very weird game. Uh, Critic. Uh, trippy thing in the Japanese version, uh, he was actually a Snowman. He was changed to a clown, like in the U.S. release. Yep. Uh, I'm not, again, not sure why, but um, um, yeah. So uh, this game has no end, as far as I know. Uh, I've seen, uh, I've seen people being able to. Uh, um, uh, I've seen the best players on YouTube being able to get to like level like 30 or, or something like that. So uh, oh. um, this game definitely can get very, very challenging, very, very fast, and just a, uh, it's a. Um, um, but the game handles very well, and they, uh, uh, at least in the arcade version, and the music is a uh, the music a bunch of recognizable uh, recognizable pop or public domain tunes. Uh, I can't think of the names of any of them right, the, uh, you know, right now, but you recognize all the music uh, that the game uses. So uh, uh, they're worse. So the game was the game was popular enough to get ported to most of the big systems uh, consoles and computers. Uh, back in the day, uh, it got ports to Atari 2600, the 8-bit computers, the ColecoVision, the Apple II, the MSX in Japan, the Commodore, the Commodore, the Commodore 64. Uh, Tomy released an LCD handheld version of the game, uh, yeah. uh, like also back then also. Um, the game was followed by three sequels in the flight arcade. Um, there was Mr. Dew's, uh, there was Mr. Dew's Castle, which came out to the following, uh, to the following year. Uh, similar gameplay, except for Newcastle this time. Um, kind of weird, but also like a fun game. Uh, kind of reminds me of Apple Panic, almost, where you knock out the blocks to get the critters to drop into the holes. Mm, yeah. I, I never played Apple Panic, so I'll take your word for it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, strange game. Still fun. Not as fun as the original game, but still fun. Uh, it looks like only the Commodore 64 got a version of that game, uh, like a home release. So, uh, uh, oh, it's also on... Uh... ColecoVision as well. Oh, it was on the ColecoVision. I didn't see that. Yeah. It must have been like a late release then. Type, type, type. I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, you're probably right. I may have just missed that like my research. Probably. Yeah. Mr. Castle, right there it is. No, oh, ColecoVision, okay. ColecoVision. Okay. I think it's on 2600 as well. Okay. Um, the last two games in the series, though, uh, however, it looks like never got home ports. Uh, that was a Mr. Dew's Wild Ride and Do oh, yeah. um, and Do Run Run, which both came out in '84. Um, yeah. I played both of those in name a little bit. Strange games, but uh, I don't know what was going on there. As Mr. Dew was not a weird game to begin with, but yeah. they, they really take the form and go out in left field with it. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, so yeah, uh, but uh, but the game remained popular enough to receive some other home like some, like some home uh, some, like some home versions and upgrades uh, upgrades in following years. Uh, the Neo Geo got an upgraded version of the game, um, uh, like around like 1991. That's a uh, that's 
that that's pretty over the top. It's a pretty wild, crazy game. Um, very expensive to get these days, like most Neo Geo games are. Um, and uh, and about the time this game came out, Super NES, there was also a Game Boy version. Oh, oh yeah. Um, never played that one. But it's ever... good. Okay. Is it similar to Super NES version? Yeah, kind of similar to it. Mm. it it's not bad at all. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Super NES version is an excellent port like their arcade game. Uh, they also made a few small uh, enhancements, like enhancements, enhancements like the original like, arcade game. Um, you can adjust your difficulty level, uh, which I always appreciate very much. Um, yeah. uh, the graphics, the graphics, the graphics are slightly enhanced. Uh, they look a little bit more, uh, uh, they look a little bit more sharp or detailed, just like the original like arcade version. Um, yes. um, so definitely take advantage of that full, rich color, uh, color palette that the Super NES had. Um, I it also has. I did not. Um, I did not. I did not take the chance to try this. Uh, two-player competitive play. Uh, which, yeah, battle mode. Yes. Um, That's where this game shines. Have you been able to convince your wife to play this game with you in the past? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. She'll play with me. Mm. That's the only reason why I picked it up because we like uh, games where we can both play at the same time. Yeah. Yep, it's always fun. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the, music, uh, the music in this game is ported over excellently. Uh, like, sounds great in the Super NES, say, uh, uh, hardware. Um, uh, the game, like, his... Uh, the game resolution, and, you know, like, and everything, like, it's very, like, sharp, detailed, no problems there. Uh, the only drawback I'd have to the game, which, unfortunately, is a common drawback with arcade ports, um, the control was a little bit, the control was a little bit lacking sometimes, because the D-pad doesn't always allow you to make those quick, uh, pinpoint, sharp, precise turns that you need to make, especially the higher difficulty levels. Um... Uh, a really, a really, a really unfortunately can't be helped. It's just one of those things that happens when you port arcade games that originally used a joystick uh, to a system that has a pad instead. But uh, um, but the controls beyond that are, are very simple and responsive. Um, so no problems there. Just just you have to give like a little bit of. It's kind of like playing Pac-Man, I think, on the Super NES. You just have to give yourself a, a little bit of lead time uh, before you, like, yeah. you, know, put, you know, push that push the side of the pad to move your character. Once you get used to it, it's not that bad. Yeah, once you get used to it, it's, it becomes easier to play as you get used to the controls. Um, I wonder how this game would handle playing with joystick instead, like using like Super Advantage or third-party joystick. Um, I wonder if I'm... Um, so have you ever tried that, Willie? No, I haven't, but I think it's going to be almost similar because it's not actually it's the way the tournament mechanic works if you get halfway up and you want to make a turn instead of turning he'll go back down the other way if you hit if you try to go if you try around the corner too soon yeah it's hard, it's hard to explain you got to play it and see what i'm talking about mm. it's almost like you're going to be almost lined up into the uh the zone you want to go into there's it's hard to explain mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, like I said, you know, it's just typical, like, of games that you play on the consoles, on the consoles that, you, like, use a, you know, they use a pad as opposed to a joystick, but, um, uh, yeah, this was, this was a surprise to see get released for the system so late in the day, um, especially when the heyday of Mr. Dew had passed, uh, I guess maybe, I guess maybe that the Neo Geo version had convinced people that there was enough enough classic gaming fans out there to who remember this game to make the like Game Boy and Super NES versions of the game. Um, I'm not sure well they sold, but they got reviewed very well back in the day. So um, yeah, um, so yeah, definitely like a pleasant surprise. But then again, this wasn't the only game to get ported late to the system. Frogger was a very late release. Yes. Uh, for, uh, 
Uh, Frogger came out, I think, like in 96. Um, this was actually, Frogger was actually the last game, Frogger was actually the last official licensed game, another trivia fact, uh, to come out of the Genesis in, in the U.S. As a, matter, as a matter of fact. Uh, not for the U.S. We got a Kirby Games last as the last as the last official released game uh, for the Super NES instead, but it came out very late, uh, 96, 97, I think. So um, probably just, probably just a conversion that the company felt they could do on the cheap. Um, that you know, like a uh, um, and uh, taking advantage of the starting to become retro retro craze. I mean, this is back before the whole retro thing had really taken off, but. Um, but like I said earlier, the Super NES was actually a system powerful enough to be able to actually handle the arcade game very, very well. So, I mean, uh, I mean, like, this is even better than the ColecoVision version. The, Cole the ColecoVision yes. version is a, uh, fine, a fine good version also. So, that's, that's well, pretty high. The nice thing about the Super Nintendo version is that battle mode. It's well worth getting just for that battle mode where two people play at the same time. It is a lot of fun. Can you, uh, can you talk about the battle mode some? Because I'm not really that familiar with it. Oh, basically in battle mode, uh, you have a little bit different graphics. You have different enemies that run around the screen. They're not the arcade uh, mode enemies. You also have uh, some extra apples. They're green that sometimes will drop a power-up like invincibility or they'll, it'll stop time or it'll freeze all the enemies on the screen as you run around. And then you and the second player, you know, they can run around at the same time trying to collect the cherries. Who can collect the most cherries and destroy the most monsters? It, it's a blast. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it kind of really sounds challenging, uh, just like, you know, trying to be able to, um, you know, um, so, uh, I'm not really sure where the inspiration like that came from, uh, but it sounds like, you know, a fun mode to put in the game. I think it was just done for the Super Nintendo. Mm. It never was a battle mode for Mr. Dude in the arcades. Nope, no, definitely, and none of the other versions, uh, home version had it either, I thought, um, oh, uh, so. Uh -uh. But, uh, that's what makes the archer so much fun is that battle mode. That's what me and my wife like about it the most. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, there are some codes available like for the game also um, that are uh, like they're very very helpful, very helpful to you to be able to um, to be able to practice to to set up your practice in the game. You're playing it on uh, uh, you're playing like a real hardware. Um, you want to enter these codes like on the menu screen. Uh, if you hit left nine times, like then start the game, you'll start the game with 99 lives. Um, <laughs> uh, which, will, uh, which will be very helpful to be able to pick up the game and be subject to go far in it. So, but uh, you can also, um, uh, you can also, you can also, if you hit up nine times, hit start, uh, you can change the name of the game from Mr. Do, spelled D-O, to do with D-U instead. Uh, <laughs> no practical value, just funny. Um, <laughs> um, and if you want to get ahead further in the game to practice, to practice, to practice, to practice, to practice like those higher level stages, there's also there's also stage select available. Uh, to access this, hit down nine times on the control pad, like they hit start, and you'll be able to pick your stage. That's cool. So, uh, yeah, uh, game FAQ is your friend. <laughs> I always thought it was neat when the programmers put things like this into the games. Yeah, many games of this time period, uh, uh, they had at least like one code. So, um, yeah. and so like you know, the extra lives and stage select codes were pretty common to have. It's great. To, um, I, I very helpful to be able to have them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you could combine the codes. Probably not. But um, 99 lives would allow you to play for a long time. I imagine. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, uh, this is so yeah, this is it. So yeah, this is actually a very very great port. Um, the only uh, the only drawbacks, I, like I said earlier, the only drawbacks, I, the only drawbacks I see the, the, the this, this version over the arcade version is some very very slight slowdown. There's a lot of enemies on the screen and whatnot. Um, yeah. And also the like and also like and also having to get used to the D-pad as your control. But uh, all in all, it's pretty good. Um, I um, I probably would say that the enhancements of the game are big enough that they outweigh the minuses. That that this would be my preferred go-to version of the game now, as opposed to playing on Mame, um, uh, because the game really is that good of a port. Oh, it's excellent. It's very good. So uh, yeah, um, if you've not played this game in the past, or if, uh, if you're like a big fan of the um, a big fan of Dig Dug, and want to play a game that's very similar to it, like in some ways, but also but also vastly different, vastly different. I highly recommend checking out this game. Um, it was not really. Uh, the game was released on Virtual Console in Japan. I cannot find it ever got a, a North American or European release though on Virtual Console. So I don't, I don't uh, think it did. So unfortunately, so if you want to play it, you're either going to have to emulate the game, or pick up um, uh, uh, or pick up the cart version uh, of the game. The Game Boy version, the Game Boy version looks similar enough. I think that you probably could satisfy your Mr. Do itch uh, picking up. I think in that version of the game instead if you want to, but it uh, actually be cheaper to pick up the Super Nintendo version than, than the Game Boy one because it's more expensive. Really? Yeah, wow. the Game Boy one's more collectible. Huh, that's weird because usually, because usually, because usually, like these games, it's the exact opposite. But usually, lately, I've seen the Mister Do's for the Game Boy go for like forty or fifty bucks. Really? Damn. Okay. Uh, once the Super Nintendo usually range anywhere from ten to twenty-five. Yep. Uh, yep. Checking this online for eBay it wasn't that bad as far as it wasn't that bad as far as pricing goes. If you just want to lose like lose copy, uh, thirty copies sold recently, uh, including shipping. But there's shipping the game. The, the game sold from anywhere from eleven fifty to twenty four seventy five. So uh, not that bad. And this is a, um, and being a, like being arcade for this really isn't a game that you need the manual for. So. Um, no. um, if your collector wants, if your collector and wants the IB version, a uh, bit more pricey, a bit more pricey, but still not that bad. Uh, anywhere from thirty, uh, anywhere from thirty-five to thirty-five to fifty-six dollars. So um, reasonable, considering the fact this must have been a small print run. So, um, so uh, Willie, uh, to wrap things up, you are a lot better uh, player of this game than I am. Uh, do you have any uh, strategies, strategy or tips uh, that you can share with the listeners out there? Well, like the one I was talking about, if you're able to, if you're able to get an apple down to where the monsters start in the center of the screen and block them in, I always do that as much as possible. It gives me more time to dig out a maze and get some cherries to prepare for the the extra monster to come out so I can try to spell extra. That's one of the strategies I use. Another one is, is when I'm digging up from the bottom of the screen up towards an apple, I'll zigzag back and forth to cause the enemies to take longer to get up to the top of the screen, so I try to get more of them with that single apple. Mm -hmm. There's another strategy I use. Yeah, you can really rack up the points a big time if you manage to get like three, four, five of them like at once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then when you are trying to catch that extra monster and he's got his escorts running around, try to push apples off onto the escorts because they'll make them stop as they try to eat the apple. And a lot of times, the extra monster will pass right on through where you can destroy him. So that's another strategy I try to use. 
Yep, definitely. Uh, just to add on to that, uh, you know, I think kind of the same tactics, maybe just me, but I kind of found that some of the same tactics that you had from Dig Dug uh, that can work very well here, like here also. Like, you know, coming up on an apple, uh, like, like in the bottom, to have like a long tunnel uh, to give you, to, to give room for the apple to fall. Um, but uh, yeah, um, getting down to like one cherry, I think is also helpful, especially like in the higher difficulty levels. Then you can go ahead and try to rack up the points and get the extra, you know, extra monster and that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, toward the toward around like, like stage is you toward around like, you know stage nine and whatnot. I don't even like worry about points anymore. The monsters at that point are, are just like too fast. But <laughs> like run, yeah, run, just like, run, 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 run your butt, get those cherries as fast as possible, move on because you don't. Yeah. Uh, because to be that level, there's like too numerous, too numerous, too fast. But well, then they uh, turn into those diggers awful quick too. You may have like two or three of them turn into diggers digging right towards you. Oh yes, another like you know feature. Future yeah. carryover like Dig Dug, so um, but uh, yeah, yeah, and that ball, those higher levels, that sucker slowly regenerate on you. I've clocked about like you know ten seconds after to come back to your hands. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. Uh, use it. So the higher levels use it only. They're using only like a last resort. <laughs> yeah, that's what I tend to do is last resort. But yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely. This is like a very very fun game. Uh, I'm certainly glad that you recommended. Um, you recommended the game for doing it for the podcast because you know this is a game I have to spend like more time with. Um, uh, like you I need to find something to play the battle mode with. It, it's a it's a blast. Mm. I'll see them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can like bring somebody up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know this is this is a game I think most in, yeah this is a game yeah this is a game I think many of us have heard about. But I'm not really sure how many of us like had the chance to play. Uh, you know back in the arcade. Um, so. Um, uh, and to be able to find a port as good as good and as, as good and well polished as this one is was definitely like refreshing. So um, yeah. the Super NES had a Super NES like had a number of like a greater, I um, you know, great arcade ports, and this is definitely like one of them, I think. So uh, um, so uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the podcast with me again to talk about this game, Willie. Um, no problem. Like you know, one of the one of the great things about doing the podcast is expanding my repertoire as far as the, as far as the, like fun games to play. So uh, oh, yeah. but. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, we're doing it again next time as well because I'm pleased to announce we're having another special guest on the podcast next week. You know, talk about you talk about another one of his favorite games. And again, this is a game ported from the arcade that I never had played uh, until he mentioned play one do it. So uh, I am very pleased. To, I'm very pleased to say that we're gonna have Ferg back on the podcast again with us. Uh, yes, Ferg's almost as busy with the podcast these days as Willie here is. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna be doing a game, um, uh, a port of a, uh, a port of a, a port of a Taito arcade game called On the Ball, uh, which is known as a, a Kamatree, I think it's pronounced, uh, when it was released back in the arcade. So a uh, very different game, very weird, very unusual. So uh, it's gonna be fun <laughs> talking about this game with him. So, um, so yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, and this future. Future things lined up in the future. I hope. Uh, I hope like the podcast. So um, stay tuned. I appreciate all your support like, and everything out there. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a group and a page uh, on there. You can also send me email directly at um, uh, at the SNES Podcast at yahoo.com. You can listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, and you know, I always welcome feedback, support, comments. Uh, if you have any games that you want to talk about in the podcast, uh, feel free to let me know. Like either by email, like or like Facebook. Um, Willie, I need a scorecard now to keep track of the podcast that you're involved in. Um, can you, uh, what, is, uh, what podcast are you officially 
and at this point involved with, and where can they find your podcast at? Well, the main one is the ColecoVisions podcast. That's on iTunes. There's a Facebook page for it. Uh, another one is Atari Visions, which I do with Paul from the Intellivisionaries, Rick from the Intellivisionaries, and Ferg from the Atari 2600. That's a adult-themed podcast, so be wary of that one. And then also do the Channel F Files on the Fairchild Channel F with Scott Schreiber from Retro Gaming Roundup. That's also on iTunes. And then now I just got roped into doing the Atari 5200 uh, Super Podcast for the Atari 5200 system. Yes, a very short intro uh, 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 intro teaser uh, podcast just got released for that. Um, uh, looking forward to that one starting up. Uh, that's definitely a system I don't really know too much about, so I'm very curious to listen to the podcast and find out more about it. Oh, yeah. I had one back in the mid-'90s I picked up at a flea market. I had quite a few games for it. That was the four-port system, though. I had it up to the point that I uh, moved for my job out to North Carolina in... Uh, it didn't make the trip. Mm. It was stolen with a bunch of other stuff. Ooh, that sucks. By the moving company. Yeah, they misplaced the boxes. Yeah, I've had a couple things go, quote-unquote, missing before in the past two of moves. So you really got to be careful like, about that kind of stuff, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, uh, sounds great. Uh, we really appreciate like all the excellent work to do on our uh, like on your podcast, Willie, because you're a very, very busy man. So we all appreciate that because they, uh, um, you are, you are very, very good and very, very knowledgeable at sharing us your game wisdom, game wisdom, podcasting expertise. So keep up with the great work. Oh, thanks, man. But uh, uh, anything else you want to like, you know, plug or mention real quick here uh, to wrap things up? Um, uh, no, no, just uh, I really enjoy listening to this podcast you're doing, Greg. Keep up that, keep up the great work. Well, thanks. Uh, like you know, it's a uh, like it's been a difficult process, but you know, I'm, I'm also enjoying doing it. Like having a lot of fun. I also, like, also enjoy like you know checking out all these like you know like, different games I haven't played and being able to talk to uh, talk to like great uh, great fellow gamers and podcasters like yourself. So, yeah. like like always fun. So uh, yeah. So uh, thanks again, Willie, for being on the podcast with us. Um, and thanks again, everybody out there. Like I said earlier, if you not get out there, um, play this game. We'll, play for the past go out there and check it out uh definitely like a fun game um and you know like i said if you like mr um you know and you know i have a strong feeling that you really enjoy mr do like you also play about like dig dug so um whether through whether through hook or crook check this game out because i don't think you don't i regret it so all right thank you again all uh uh thanks for listening and take care Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.